With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, I can play coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Ladies and gentlemen of Steeler Nation, welcome to another episode of The Standard is the Standard. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and with me, as always, is my co-host out in California, Lance Williams. How's it going, Lance? I'm doing fantastic, Jeff. Fantastic, baby. I'm sorry, I forgot. It's Color Rush. Lance Color Rush Williams. That's right, a.k.a. Color Rush. Black and gold. And to that point, Jeff, let me just say this real quick. Living out on the West Coast, hearing people say black and yellow, 
when they describe <laughs> either the Pirates' pins or Steeler colors is absolutely frustrating. West well, Coast listeners, it's black and gold, not yellow. Well, you know you can blame Wiz Khalifa for that with his stupid black and yellow song that somehow became a Steelers anthem, and I don't get it because, like you said, their colors aren't black and yellow. It's black and gold, and especially now that the Penguins are going to change their colors next year to the same gold again that they used to have, all three teams are going to have the same black and gold. So I agree with you. If you're calling it black and yellow, you're basically outing yourself right away as a really generic bandwagon fan. But before we get started with the banter, let's get right into our sponsors, the show, the standard is a standard, and all of our Behind the Steel Curtain shows on our podcast platform are sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in Western Pennsylvania and Northern West Virginia and home to one of the nation's top 100 ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker. And also sponsored by Centerfield Smoke, the best and most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. Go to centerfieldsmoke.com. They're going to be putting out some really cool designs pretty soon for the Steelers season. I'm just giving you a little tip out there for those that are listening. They haven't been uh, unveiled yet. They're going to wait closer to the regular season, but they've got some stuff for you. So uh, check out Centerfield Smoke when you get a chance. Now, Lance, the last time we talked, they were getting ready for the Detroit Lions game. Um, training camp was kind of in, in its waning moment, so to speak. But he, the, the bit of news that we want to start the show off with was – this news about the Al-, Al Jazeera report, which links itself to James Harrison, which links itself to the new news, which is that the NFL and, by by proxy, Roger Goodell, are threatening to suspend not only James Harrison, but Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers if they refuse to interview with the league prior to August 25th. Right off the bat, I want to get your opinion not only about the situation and what the NFL is doing, but what do you think James Harrison should do in this situation? I think James Harrison should fight the suspension. However, I think he's going to capitulate. And I think he's going to capitulate given where he is in his career. This arguably is going to be his last season. And I don't think he wants to lose any games to this fight. I think were he at a different point in his career – I think he would fight it tooth and nail, but I think he's going to eventually capitulate, and I think he's going to be advised by the union to take part in the investigation and actually do the interview. However, I think the NFLPA is creating a slippery slope, but I think this will be something that they fight as a union at a later date. Okay. I disagree with you. Um the NFL, and this is the players' fault, it's the NFLPA's fault. Now, the Steelers, we know what they voted against the collective bargaining agreement back in 2011, but it passed. The Steelers were the only players to vote no to that CBA. This is the NFL really flexing their muscle. And here's the, here's the issue. You said you think that James Harrison should fight it. I don't think he should because it's not going to end well. Look at Tom Brady. I mean – if, if James Harrison's going to try to send this thing to court like Brady did with the Flategate, and he's going to try to string this sucker out and try to get his 2015 season in, or 2016, I'm sorry, season in, and then, you know, if they decide to suspend him later, he's already done. He says, you know, suspend me. I don't care. You know, basically what they had to do with Peyton Manning, who cooperated with this investigation. I just, 
if you listen, they interviewed James Harrison before training camp broke on Tuesday, and they asked him if the Steelers came, that's the Rooney's, that's Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, whoever it may be, if they came and asked you, hey, James, we want this to be over with, just interview with the team, interview with the NFL, get this over with so it's not hanging over the team anymore, would you do it? And he took a long pause, and he said, you know, probably, if they would do that. But he made, made a very strong point to say that they haven't done that. Mike Tomlin said he's not going to do that in his press conference on Wednesday. I'm sorry, on Tuesday. I just, in my opinion, James Harrison, just if you are innocent, and I understand what they're doing and why he's upset, the guy's name was just mentioned by Charlie Sly, who was the main character witness, so to speak, in this whole report. He just said his name. There was nothing else. And, and James Harrison said in his interview, if someone just said that I was a pedophile, are they going to come and, and interview me because they someone said it, even though they have no evidence of it whatsoever? He brings up a good point, but like you said, he has one year left. Do you really want this last season to be like this? I think if you have nothing to hide, if you're completely innocent, you interview with the league, you set the precedent, it's like, look, get it over with. Let's get 2016 underway. That's just my personal opinion. You know, this is going to be a union fight. The problem is that it's just Roger Goodell and the NFL making decision in terms of who's credible and who's not. There's no criteria, I'm sure, and that's a big problem. I mean, where does it stop? I mean, what news organization is deemed credible and which one isn't? And that's significant because once this happens, I'm sure it's going to happen again. But, again, it goes back to collective bargaining. And I think he should fight, but I don't think he will fight. And to your point about the Roonies and Talmud, I, I, it would be interesting if they could even uh, suggest that he should cooperate with the NFL because that would probably be tantamount to coercion on their part. So, uh, you know, James Harrison is going to do the interview. Uh, he's not going to be suspended because that would be another fight if he were, uh, if they were dangling, dangling, excuse me, the suspension over his head based on something that he said in the interview, based on something that they found in the Al Jazeera report when he never tested positive. So, you know, there's a slippery slope all over the place when it comes to this issue. But I think James Harrison is going to give the interview, and he's not going to miss any games, and it won't be an issue after next week. Yeah, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of people that suspect he's going to take this thing all the way up until the deadline just to kind of make his point. And he's already on social media been making a point to find articles um, from some blogs, some some websites that are a little bit more – uh, credible in terms of the fact that they actually have, you know, insider access to the team and have interviewed him personally that are basically saying the NFL is kind of on a witch hunt that, that, you know, that's kind of what they're doing. And he's out there saying like, look, this is, this is why we voted. No, this is what we were trying to get. against. there is no player since Roger Goodell has replaced Paul Tagliabue. There is no player that has been so publicly anti Roger Goodell, anti-establishment than James Harrison. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I agree with you. I think he's eventually going to interview. I think that hopefully that the NFL doesn't find anything that they deem is suspendable, and ultimately all all of this will, will be washed away. But it, it's just one of those things. It's just another aspect of the Steelers 
off the field that they shouldn't have to deal with. We're talking about Martavis Bryant's suspension. We're talking about Le'Veon Bell's potential suspension, which they haven't even heard his appeal yet, reportedly. That's what he said. And also, now the James Harrison issue with Al Jazeera report, which just doesn't seem to go away. Um, do you think that impacts the team at all? I mean, honestly, I mean, they were in training camp, so they're kind of confined to that tight little space, their own little nook in Latrobe. Do you think that all this outside noise makes a difference to a team like the Steelers? From my experience in knowing several NFL ball players, it's not resonating at all. Those guys tend to be very singularly focused. Now, they get into their share of issues off the field, so on and so forth. But a lot of times when it pertains to football, it, it's, it's astonishing how they literally are play to play. What was your assignment on the play? Go left, turn right, and block the guy. They're not thinking about the next play, the next call. They're really singularly focused. And so for a veteran team like the Steelers, I don't think they'll be impacted. I don't think they'll look at it as that's his business that he needs to sort out we need to get ourselves ready to try to win a seventh Lombardi. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So let's get back to the football talk. And by the way, if anyone is listening and they want to call in, we have a few callers on hold. The number to dial is 347-850-8581. Again, that's 347-850-8581. And we will get you on the air after we finished all of our talking points. So we just talked about James Harrison. We're going to talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions game. We're going to talk about the upcoming game against the Philadelphia Eagles, and then we'll take your call. So be patient, stay on hold, and we will get to you uh, when the time is right. But now, let's talk about that game last week. The Detroit Lions came into Pittsburgh, and they turned a 14-3 deficit into a 30-17 victory. And a lot of Steeler fans were really, really upset. Um, I was definitely not one of the people that was ready to jump off a bridge based on the fact that (laughs) – they had no offensive players on the field. I mean, the only offensive player really was Darius Hayward Bay, and he made a pretty nice catch after a really bad drop, mind you. But uh, they they didn't show anything. There were a couple players that I would say would be losers on the offensive side, and we're going to get to that in a second. But even defensively, in the first the first drive, other than third down defense, I didn't have an issue. They put good pressure on the quarterback. There were some, some gas by some young players in the secondary what was your overall takeaway from the game against the Detroit Lions last Friday night? Well, first of all, it was a success from an injury standpoint for the most part. And, yes, yes. I'm not considering Greg Kowski's injury significant because he's a bum. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But <laughs> him not playing for the Steelers for another season, good written. That guy is a bum. But, you know, it, it Come was on, first. Man. He's a bum. Sorry. That's disrespectful. <laughs> he's a, <laughs> a bum. It's a little disrespectful. He's given his life to football, but he's still a bum. I'm sorry. I, I you know. <laughs> I know you. This is what it is. I, I can't think of a more colorful adjective. Let's just say he's football challenged. <laughs> At this point, he's challenged at the quarterback position. Oh. Uh, so, but other than that, I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's first se- it's first game preseason football. A lot of mistakes, bad refereeing. Uh, you know, so everybody was was warming to the task because that was a fumble recovery. That should have been a fumble recovery, and they should have put that game away. But 
you know, I, I think a few people showed their wares. Some people had some struggles. We'll jump into that. But, you know, all in all, no significant injuries. A lot of significant guys didn't play. So, you know, it just is what it is. They came out of it okay. You know, speaking of injuries, it, you kind of hit the nail on the head about the entire training camp, which if you take away Sanquez Golson's Liz Frank injury, and like you said the last show, no one really knew what to expect from him anyways. He hasn't played in the NFL yet. So although people had high expectations from an actual playing standpoint, they're not missing anything except for a, a roster spot, a depth chart guy. You know what I mean? So other than his injury, they left camp pretty much unscathed. And that's, that's the three or four weeks of camp for one preseason game. So that's good. So let's talk about some winners and losers after the week one game against the Detroit Lions. You want to go defense. Go ahead and give me some winners and losers. I might debate some of those with you, and then we'll flip the switch and go to the offensive side. Well, since I started off the show on such a uh, negative slant <laughs> by calling Greg Kowski a bum, I'm going to go on the loser side for the game. And take this with the grain of salt, listeners. You know, it's a couple of plays. And, you know, given the TV angle, you don't see the coverage. You don't necessarily know what the matchups were. So you're kind of just watching the TV view in the clip. So take it with a grain of salt. The obvious loser is Sean Davis. And we talked about it last week that the Steelers have some serious questions when it comes to their slot cornerback. And to put a rookie in the slot is a tall task. And that's a tall task even for a highly drafted guy in the first round. It's a tough position to play. Guys are really crafty in there. And Anquan Bolton is one of those guys, and you really saw it uh, in the game as Sean Davis tried to guard Anquan Bolton and a couple other the Detroit Lions receivers on the inside, got turned around, missed the tackle, compounded the problem. I think he struggled early in the game, but played a little bit later. Another loser in the game um, I thought was uh, Big McCullers on the inside. And me and Jeff talked about it a little bit. It's not that he played really bad. It's just that because he plays at a really inconsistent pat level, he tends to play very high. You don't see him dominate like he should, given his size and his strength. Um, I think some of the winners on the defensive side of the ball with Dorian Grant with the pick six had several tackles. Uh, and I thought Javon Hargrave played pretty well. You saw some of the first step. You saw some of the strength playing at a low pat level. You saw the motor. So I think those were the winners and those were the losers. First, kudos on getting Hargrave's name right. That's awesome. First try, folks. Nice. Keep that in mind. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, I, I'm more I, I want, into the task. Yeah. I, I might be in midseason. I'm in week two form. Week two. Yeah, absolutely. And as Tomlin said, we're oozing right now. We're oozing out of camp. But anyways, I want to talk to you about Sean Davis a little bit because you got him on the loser. I know he had a bad play where he technically bounced off of Anquan Bolden. But other than that, I thought that he played for a rookie in his first NFL action. I thought he played okay. I thought he, I thought he improved as the game went on. And believe it or not, Mike Tomlin gave him some praise in his press conference. I don't know if you heard that or not. Um, what was it other than the Anquan Bolden play that had you so down on him? Because when he moved to safety, he looked a lot more comfortable um, which speaks a lot about where he is in terms of, okay, he's more comfortable here than he is in the slot. What was it that, that you were so upset about? I thought he got turned around a couple of times by Curly as well. I saw him get beat at least, you know, maybe three or four times in the game. But, I mean, again, 
this is just, you know, this is his first game. I, I'm, I'm kind of nitpicking it. If he had come yeah. out and, and stuck to Anquan Bolton like glue, like he was Deion Sanders, I would say that would have probably spoken more to where Anquan Bolton is in his career more, more than Sean Davis. So it's just me nitpicking, trying to find winners and losers for this segment. But, but I think yeah. the guy will be all right. I, I like the way he looked when he blitzed. I thought he was committed. He was aggressive. And you can really see the physicality because on the missed tackle to Anquan Bolden, I thought he closed really well, Bolden, really quickly and looked really sudden and really physical. He just was hitting a grown man, and he bounced <laughs> off and said, son, uh, this ain't college. This ain't Maryland. Uh, I've been making guys drip off of me for years, so uh, you need to bring a little bit more ass to the table. Well, let me say this about the Steelers' defense. My first takeaway was I thought that they played very fast. Now, their tackling was an issue uh, from the starters on down. Shazier missed a couple tackles as well. But I thought that, and I think that's expected in the first preseason game, even for some veterans. Um, they, you got to get back into the swing of things and back into the, you know, in training camp, they're not always taking people to the ground. So hopefully in the second game, you see a little bit of improvement, but I definitely thought you saw the athleticism showing on the defensive side. Um, they were swarming the ball. I thought that in the back end, I thought Robert Golden did, did well. I was surprised to see Keith Butler blitz as much as he did, but I was glad that he did. It gave us a little bit of a look to see, like you said, Sean Davis blitzing. How did he do that? Was he committed? How was his angle? Um, does he shed blockers well? Stuff like that. Does he disguise the blitz well? Um, what was your overall take on basically the, the starters of the second string defense and just as a general group after week one? They look more comfortable in the scheme. They were playing really fast, like you said, for a week one preseason game, which is great. And they got a lot of movement up front and got pressure with four and got pressure through blitzing. And it looks like this defense is going to continue to get turnovers, which stood out to me that, you know, they got two turnovers in a preseason game in the first half quickly and should have been three. So if this Mm -hmm. defense can continue to get turnovers and play fast, I mean, that's what you want with an offense that should be very prolific. You want extra possession. And that's going to be the best thing that this defense can do in this 2016-17 campaign is get turnovers and get extra possession. I say, You did mention the officials. I still can't get over the fact that the pass from Orlovsky was thrown forward. The player catches the ball, runs forward, fumbles the football, and they rule it a backwards pass. I just – I don't get that at all. I, I – that's still as laughable to me, uh, but you're right. This team, and there's a great article written by uh, Tony Defoe from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com earlier in the week, basically saying that this 2016 defense could be a lot like 2015 where they kind of live and die by the splash plays. They've got to get turnovers. If they do, they're going to probably win a lot of football games, even if they give up a lot of third-down passes, which they did against Matthew Stafford and the starters of the Detroit Lions. But let's go to the other side of the football. Uh, to the offensive side, and that was ugly. I mean, I'm sorry, this was atrocious. If you like offensive football, please don't watch the Steelers in the preseason. Don't watch Landry Jones, Dustin Vaughn, or Lance's boy, Bruce Gradkowski, who had two scrambles and came <laughs> up on the second one. Okay, so um, I'm going to give you some winners and losers. So let me start with the losers. I hate to say this because, like you said, it's a very small sample size, but I've got to say Alejandro Villanueva. 
a little bit of a teaser for tomorrow on the website. We're going to do a film room breakdown of his performance against the Lions. It is atrocious. He looked so tight, so nervous. Maybe he is nervous because he's trying to keep his job. He's got Ryan Harris on him, on his back in terms of trying to beat him out. Maybe that's the case. I'm not sure. But Big Al for a left tackle and the guy that's supposed to keep pass rushers off of Ben Roethlisberger's blindside, not a very confident start to the preseason. So hopefully in week two on this Thursday night, he'll do a little bit better job. My other loser, I don't think it's going to surprise many people, is Sammy Coates. This guy was so highly touted in, in the early parts of camp. They said, oh, my gosh, he's making these great catches. He's amazing. All this excitement about it. Well, then if you paid attention, the excitement went from, oh, my gosh, to hey, he's pretty good, to the joint practice with the Lions. Everyone was saying he's been really inconsistent. And that's exactly what he was uh, against the Detroit Lions, except he caught three at balls, fumbled two of them. It was bad. It was bad all around. Uh, he didn't look good with in terms of on time with Landry Jones, but nonetheless, he's a loser. Now let's go to the winners. I'll say that the hey, one Jeff, of the winners is Derek. Jeff, let, what? Me, let, me, let me stop you before you get to the winners. Sammy okay. Coates went from, oh, my gosh, to, oh, my gosh, <laughs> in, 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 in the time of two weeks, from, oh, my yeah. gosh, Oh my gosh! And that and that shows you why you have to take training camp stories with a grain of salt. And you just you just yeah. got to take it with a grain of salt. You just got to wait till these guys uh, get on the field. And I'm not saying that this is a death sentence for Sammy Coates because he could turn it around and be a very big contributor to this team. But boy, a rough start is an understatement. It was so bad that when he caught his third pass, which he actually held on to. I tweeted out from the Behind the Steel Curtain Twitter feed, oh, my gosh, Sammy Coates caught a football and didn't drop it. And then I tweeted, I wonder if they're going to pull – you remember the movie The Program back in the 90s when they make the running back carry the football around with him all over campus, and they they try to punch it out all the time? I feel like that's going to be Sammy Coates, or if it's not, it should be. You fumbled the ball twice. You're a receiver. You're not a running back. It's ridiculous. So – those are my losers. Big Al, and we'll talk about those more in a second. Let me get to the winners here first, Lance. I thought Daryl Richardson, the running back, number 38, for those that don't know who he is, has the long dreadlocks flowing out, the, out of the helmet. I thought he acquitted himself very well. Uh, Mike Tomlin basically said, basically said in his press conference, it's not a lock that Fitzgerald Toussaint is going to be behind D'Angelo Williams on the depth chart. And he ran the ball better than Fitz did uh, in the game on Friday night. But yet again, Fitzgerald Toussaint has a better special teams player. Tomlin pointed that out. It'll be interesting to see how that plans out for the rest of the preseason. That's going to be a pretty good battle to watch. And then you know who else I thought was uh, who played uh, pretty well for the Steelers was uh, he didn't make a ton of plays, but I, I just like the way he carries himself on the field. He's very confident. Eli Rogers, young wide receiver number 17, uh, he had a reverse or an end around, I think. He caught a couple short passes. He can make guys miss. He's natural in the slot. He is one of those players that you don't find too many natural slot receivers anymore, and he's one of them. Those were two of my winners. Uh, what are your thoughts on those, Lance? Unfortunately, I would love to disagree with you, but uh, number 17 looked A.B. light. He was A.B. Yep. light. If A.B. was a diet drink, a soft drink, he'd be A.B. <laughs> light. I was like, oh, that's a little A.B. right there. And yeah. put it like this. With Daryl Richardson, you know, I mean, 
true confessions. I'm in a bar. I'm drinking shots, you know, drinking some beer, excited, <laughs> watching the first Steeler game. I mean, uh, it's like, you know, football's back. And he was hitting the holes. I'm like, oh, who's that? Oh, we got a little juice out here. Oh. Yeah. So if I if I if I'm Fitzgerald uh La uh, Overture, I, I I'm a little nervous. You know, yeah. I, I'm a little I'm nervous. The French might have called in some extra troops. You know, I, yeah. I'm a little nervous. because uh, that boy has some juice and I was watching him in, in blitz pick up in a pass pro. He looks solid in that regard too, so I love it when the Steelers have a lot of options and a lot of guys and there's a lot of competition. That's what sports is all about. And, you know, you know, Jeff, I mean, you're a coach. You know, I hate the participant medal era. And, you know, the more guys you have competing, the harder guys got to practice and they got to bring it. So I, I, I love a guy like Richardson and the juice that he's bringing to the football team. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a really dreadful performance other than those two guys. The offensive line, I thought they did a good job, uh, relatively speaking, outside of Villanueva. Um, Landry Jones, he didn't have a lot of time. He didn't have a lot of help either. Uh, there was the pass. There was a great pass over over top of the underneath coverage, the linebacker, and underneath the safeties, right in Darius Hayward Bay's hands on third down. At this, I think it was like third and 13 on the first drive. Drops it, punt the ball. Now, he did come back, and hey, hey, Bay had a good catch uh, for a touchdown. But otherwise, I'm not judging the offense until I see number seven under center, I see number 26 or 34, and I see number 84 on the field. So it's a perfect segue into the next game, which is tomorrow night, Thursday. And for those that don't know, this game, too, is going to be nationally televised on NFL Network. It's at Heinz Field. It starts at 7 p.m. And the Philadelphia Eagles come into town. This will be the last home preseason game for the Steelers as they go on the road for their next two. Uh, let's talk about what to expect in week two, Lance. Uh, you, you always do defense. I always do offense. Who are you particularly excited to watch and why? Well, I was going to say Artie Burns, but from all reports, it's looking like he's not going to play. Yeah, in the preseason game tomorrow. So I'll switch it back to Sean Davis. And essentially just all of the young secondary guys. I mean, I think that's what it is with this defense. It's, it's how is the secondary going to play? How are these young guys going to play? Are they going to become a cohesive defensive unit on the back end? So I'm watching all of the young guys in that secondary to see if we see some improvement from week one to week two. Matt, I mean, there's a couple players on the defensive side that I'm excited to watch, one of which hasn't played yet. That's uh, Travis Feeney. He didn't play in that first game. And he is not your atypical outside linebacker. You're familiar with him from Washington, correct? You know who I'm talking about? Yes. He's supposed to play. Now, he's supposed to be a really good special teams guy, too, because he's so fast. But I just want to see what this kid can do. You know, I want to see these rookies. Like you said, Artie Burns. I was really disappointed when uh, I found out that he's probably not going to play. He's openly stated he's behind because he hasn't been on the practice field as much. It's really disappointing. But, yeah, I want to see Sean Davis. I want to see uh, Travis Feeney get some snaps. Um, I just want to see what this, what this defense can do uh, with Jarvis Jones in it, too. I know you love Jarvis Jones. And this is a, a lighter Jarvis Jones. 
yeah, he's your boy. Um, he's dropped 20 pounds, and I, I know that no one expects much from him, myself included. I know that you don't expect much either. But if he can perform at a decent level, I'm not saying he needs double-digit stats, but if he can be a decent contributor, it's going to make the defense that much better. So um, those are some of the guys I'm looking for on the defensive side. Now, offensively, for me, I, I definitely want to watch this running back battle. I think you're going to see a lot of snaps between Richardson and Tucson. I think you're going to see Marquise Pouncey back in the lineup. This is his first time playing in almost a calendar year. I, number one, I hope they basically take his uh, from his hips down to his feet and just put splints in him so that he can't break any ankles or tear any ligaments or anything like that. But I hope that you see the difference between he and Cody Wallace, who played last year instead. I'd like to see them get the ball to the playmakers a little bit more, whether it's bubble screens to coast to get him comfortable, whether it's uh, quick hitting passes. I just want to see them look a little bit more comfortable, even with Landry Jones at quarterback. What are you looking for offensively? Anything in particular? Pouncey, definitely. I'd like to see some improvement in Dylan Nueva. I'd like to see him play a solid half of football where he doesn't look awful like he did in the first preseason game. Uh, Those are pretty much the two things that I'm looking for because, you know, the big five guys aren't playing again. We all know who the big five are on offense. Uh, So, yeah, I'm just looking for Pouncey, and I'm looking for Villanueva to improve, and I want to see how that offensive line looks with all of their guys. And particularly with Pouncey, I want to see how Pouncey moves. You know, I want to see how he moves. But, um, you know, I'm just praying for that guy, uh, given all the adversity that he suffered with the leg last year, that he can stay healthy and and help contribute to the Steelers winning a championship. But more so just playing, just being healthy. You know, it would be good to see him, you know, just be able to be healthy and play. Yeah, I agree. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, it was funny. Uh, I was talking with my dad earlier before the show, and he said, did you hear Roethlisberger's not playing in the game on on Thursday? And I said, you know, yeah, I I wrote that article for the website. And uh, he said, uh, I think he should at least play a little bit. And I said, I don't care if he doesn't play at all. It's like we said last week, what do they have to gain from them playing? I don't need to see anything from Roethlisberger. He's proven himself since 2004, essentially. He has a great rapport with his offense. His number one guy is Antonio Brown. They are like on a second level in terms of their connection. I have no need. If they want to sit him for the whole preseason, you're not going to hear me complain once about it. I'm going to say, you know what? Good. Get healthy. Stay healthy. We'll win a Super Bowl with you. But uh, speaking of quarterback, though, now in this upcoming game, and I should have said this as an offensive key to watch, now you have Landry Jones and Dustin Vaughn. That's it. Dustin Vaughn from like West Texas A and M, wherever the hell that is. I'm sure it's in Texas somewhere. Du- Dustin Ooh. Vaughn, the backup. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. The camp arm that they brought in to be the fourth guy is now going to probably play a half of football. You have to assume if Gradkowski is done, that they're going to bring in a veteran quarterback to help bolster their depth chart, right? They have to. I mean, they. I mean, they have to. I mean, this is some of the stuff that's frustrating as a fan. You're looking at the roster and you're saying Landry Jones and Gradkowski. How many times can you go to the playoffs when Ben Roethlisberger loses four games? I mean, just 
you know, they got lucky last year, but, you know, and that's the beauty of sports, unfortunately, is it tends to stress where you're the weakest at. At some point in time, that weakness gets stressed and it gets revealed. And they're in a bad way at the quarterback position. Nobody wants to see four games of Landry Jones or six games of Landry Jones. They, I mean, they're not going to win games. I mean, I like Landry Jones for two games. I don't like him for four. I definitely don't like him for six. And if it's eight, well, the season's over. So, and that's not that they're going to find a backup that can rescue, you know, the season that's been is down eight games, then the season is just over probably. But there has to be better options out there than Landry Jones and three question mark guy, you know, whoever that is. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to say it. You know. I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Do you call Mike Vick? Why not? I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, it, it can't hurt better than Greg Kowski. He stays healthy at least. And he does know <laughs> the system. I mean, Greg yeah, Kowski, I mean, he's played what? 10 snaps in two seasons. Uh, maybe. I don't what even do know you, if he has that. No, no. Ten might be on the high end. No, you're way too high. <laughs> no. In 2014, in 2014, Brad Kowski, I think he played in that regular season, not counting the preseason. I think he played in like five snaps. And that was the AFC wildcard game against the Ravens at Heinz Field where Ben came out for like four or five plays, and then he came back in. And then he didn't play at all in 2015. He played, like, I think, maybe three or four snaps against Green Bay when he came off the pup list with his shoulder. Then he dislocated his finger on IR for the rest of the year. He might have played five snaps against the Lions on Friday night. That's a total of at least just 15 plays in the last since 2014. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're expecting from this guy. It's the classic don't hate the player hate the game. If you could get a couple of million dollars for five snaps, <laughs> hey, sign me up immediately. Yeah, man. Same here. I can do what he did. I can run around and pull a hamstring. What the hell? So, um, all right. Well, let's. We, we've kind of gone through our talking points. If you want to call in, now's the time to do it. 347-850-8581. Again, that number is 347-850-8581. We have two callers on hold. We'll get to these callers as soon as possible. Let's get our first caller on the air. I'm pretty sure this is Vito from New Jersey. How's it going, Vito? Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? Doing great. Vito! Are you guys excited? I mean, I think it's going to get better. Um, I had a, I had a question for you guys, and this week I heard on NFL Network they were talking about Emmanuel Sanders and how great of a receiver he is. And I said, you know what, that would be a good question to pose to you guys because would the team be that much better having Antonio Brown and having Emmanuel Sanders on the other side? Because you see what has happened ever since he left Pittsburgh, how well he's played in Denver being thrown to by none other than Peyton Manning. So I guess I was thinking about that all week. I was thinking about would Emmanuel Sanders have impacted this team, especially where we are now with you know young receivers and Bryant being out. Should we have held on to him versus letting him go? What are your takes on that? Hey Vito, you're going to hate it, 
and listeners, you're going to hate my answer that I give to Zito. Because until you guys listen to me, I'm going to say it over and over and over again. Offense will not be their problem in 2016-2017. Defense will be what makes or breaks the season. I mean, they have Antonio Brown. They have Le'Veon Bell. They have Williams. They have Big Ben. They have plenty of offensive weapons, and they have a very good offensive line. Hopefully they'll have Ladarius Green at some point. If you put all those guys on the field and they stay healthy, they're going to score points. The issue, again, is defense. Well, the Vito's question, Lance, was more along the lines of, what would their receiving core look like if Sanders was still on the team? Now, if Sanders was still on the team, then that would mean that, well, you have to ask, would would Antonio Brown be on the team? Because that was that whole young money crew. You had Mike Wallace who wanted his deal. Antonio Brown got some of his money, and I think that Emmanuel Sanders was just the odd man out. Now, remember, when he was with Pittsburgh, he was injured a lot. Uh, I want to say, wasn't it like a heel injury or something all the time that was – he was his foot was always hurt, something like that. Lance, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, still, I think that if you look at the way it would have could have panned out, Emmanuel Sanders was was good for Pittsburgh, and he went to a really good situation in Denver. But I don't think anybody would say that they'd rather have Emmanuel Sanders over an Antonio Brown. Would you rather have an Emmanuel Sanders over Marcus Wheaton? That might be a question to ask, and I think that based on the fact that he is more of a veteran player would probably be better. But again, like Lance said, I don't think that the offense is the issue, but it is a good debate to have. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders turns out to be, he was a pretty dynamic player. Uh, I can't get the drop on the two point conversion against the Baltimore Ravens on Thanksgiving night out of my, out of my head when I think about Emmanuel Sanders, but nonetheless, uh, it is what it is. So what else you got for us, Vito? Uh, James Harrison still able to come in and, and light it up. I mean, here's a guy 39 years old, right? Is he 38 or 39? 38. 38, I believe. He could, he could still light it up. You know, when we go back to guys like Gradkowski that are getting paid two, three million dollars a year, you know, I, the one thing that always I think of is this: if everybody was on commission, how much better would they perform versus getting a guaranteed salary? Think about that for a second, because when people know they have a guaranteed salary. They know that they just need to do enough. So a lot of times they see a lot of players that don't go above and beyond, and I wonder why that is. I mean, why does Pittsburgh as an organization not go after a better backup quarterback where we're holding on to a Gradkowski? I mean, the guy beat us when he was at Oakland, and we brought him in. I mean, there was definitely other young talent out there back then than to bring a guy like that in. But, again, I think it comes down to money. If they feel they could get a good value for somebody, they bring him in. And this is where we had the issues we had because for years and years we held on to players and overpaid them, and then they weren't good anymore later on in their career, and we got stuck with them. So correct me if I'm wrong on that one. I don't understand the Grant Kowski move, uh, but, you know, salaries in the NFL aren't guaranteed. I mean, only really good players can really be assured of getting paid. I mean, they'll cut guys at any point in time. So I don't know if that's an issue. Uh, you know, Greg Kowski's just not a good player. And I think they've gotten, you know, they've been very fortunate that 
you know, the backup quarterback position hasn't burned them. And, um, you know, we'll see how it moves forward. It may this year. But I think they're going to have to go get somebody. But, you know, I don't think it's the, the commission case, uh, you know, registers or, or is a big deal at all. Well, I think that what you're seeing, though, Lance, is, and I want to say it might have started with the Colin Kaepernick deal. Uh, Andy Dalton's contract followed suit uh, shortly after that. Correct me if I'm wrong again. It was very incentive-based. And so the guaranteed money wasn't as high, but the potential contract was – rather lucrative if they played well. And I think that might be, I guess, the best comparison to what Vito is trying to say in the NFL. And it seems like that's where more contracts are headed in terms of the workout bonuses, the uh, playing so many games, going to the Pro Bowl, um, all that stuff. And, you know, some of them go down to even throw so many touchdown passes or catch so many yards, all those different types of things. Maybe that's the future of the National Football League contract is more of a go out, perform well, we pay you more. Don't perform well, well, we're not going to pay you nearly as much, but that's part of your contract. Think about what that would be like with Jarvis Jones. Go out and actually get near a quarterback and we'll pay you an extra $1,000 or do what you've been doing and we'll still pay you, you know, your rookie contract. So um, keep that in mind. But Vito, as always, we thank you for the phone call. Gentlemen, have a great evening. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, let's let's have a quick word from our sponsor uh, while we have a chance. If we get this next caller on the air, it's a Frank Walker Law. Smart or stupid? Those strobing lights in your rear view? That flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh, I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please. Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move. For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805 or FrankWalkerLaw.com. That's Frank Walker Law, a sponsor of our show. He's a top criminal defense firm to call in western Pennsylvania and northern West Virginia. And our other sponsor, Centerfield Smoke. It's the best and most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider online. Centerfieldsmoke.com. What do you think about that contract idea, Lance? Do you think that's kind of like the future of the incentive-laden contracts in the National Football League? I mean, it just depends on the type of leverage you have. I mean, if you're a very productive guy, I mean, you're never going to go for that type of contract. And if you come in as a highly touted draft pick, you know, that's not a contract that you're going to probably agree to as well. I mean, there's only – a limited number of guys that play well and can play in the NFL, period. So, I mean, I don't know. It's a dangerous game. I don't begrudge the players for trying to squeeze out every nickel they can from owners. So, you know, I'm always going to side on the player side because they take the physical risk. And what we've seen from CTE and the effects of head injury and head trauma in the NFL – I mean, if you can get an extra 15 cents out of the Roonies, you might as well ask for an extra 50 cents. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's get this next caller on the air. 865-951-1946. You're on with Jeff and Lance. Go ahead. Hello, you guys talking to me? Yes, sir. You're on the air. Go ahead. What's up? Hey, great. I don't, I'm in, in uh, Tennessee, so I don't get much in the way of Steelers news. 
except for uh, uh, you know behind the steel curtain and, and listen to you guys uh, when I can. But uh, why do we, we are we so? Is it salary cap reasons that we don't have competent backups at a lot of positions or or competent cornerbacks to start with? You know, I wish it was as easy of an explanation as the salary cap, but to your point, I'm befuddled by it. I mean, I don't know, man. I look at the roster and I go, you know, they can't think that getting rid of several veterans, regardless of whether we like those guys or not, that they're in a better spot than the guys that they have now. I, I, I'm bef- as befuddled by it as you are, and the backup quarterback stuff, I'm equally befuddled and puzzled. I don't know, Jeff. I mean, talk me off of a ledge because, <laughs> you know, I don't get it. Well, I, I think it's a combination of things personally. First, I think that it's a matter of – that they've had such success drafting certain players that have turned into absolute superstars that the way the salary cap works, you're not going to be able to pay everybody. And that includes some of these quality depth guys. Look at players like Sean Spence and Terrence Garvin who left last year. Uh, they're making more money elsewhere. Uh, but when you play, you pick a guy like Ryan Shazier or a Le'Veon Bell or an Antonio Brown or even a Ben Roethlisberger in 2004 – you're picking a superstar. Pick a superstar. You're going to have to keep that guy in the fold, and you're going to have to keep him happy, and sometimes that means paying him what he wants, and that can definitely decrease the cap number or cap space you have left. Don't also forget, though, the fact that this has been a successful team in the decade that Mike Tomlin has been at the helm. The worst they finished is 8-8, eight and eight. so when you look at draft position, they are never drafting in the top half of the draft. So when that happens, it's not just in the first round, but in most rounds you're picking in the back end of that draft. And that doesn't mean that they can't take decent players in the second, third round, but sometimes you have to prioritize where you're looking. There are spots on this team that have good depth. I think that their offensive line depth right now might be as good as ever in the 10 years that Mike Tomlin has been here. Honestly, their running back depth might be a really good thing if Le'Veon Bell is on the field and not suspended. Their wide receiver depth has never been a question. So I think if you look positionally, the cornerback, safety positions, they struggle. There's some scouting issues there, in my opinion. But ultimately, I think all those come into play. Lance, do you, you hear what I'm saying, or you think I'm off, I'm off my rocker? No, I think you're, you're dead on. I mean, clearly they have some issues on the back end in terms of drafting. But clearly they get it absolutely right at the running back position and the wide receiver position. So, you know, certain teams draft and identify certain things very well. Also, they're having some issues in finding a dominant outside pass rusher as well at the offense, at the outside linebacker position. So, you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of some of the issues with the roster and some of the depth has to do with scouting. But when you pay a quarterback as much as you pay Ben Roethlisberger, it will have some issues, but some of the, the logic and the decision-making around the roster construction as well is puzzling, regardless of paying a Roethlisberger $20 million. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, Lance, is when you look at the situation, 
you're going to pay Roethlisberger the $20 million. What everyone expected, myself included, was that they would be renegotiating with him to try to get that number down in terms of salary cap. But they clearly prioritized their defensive needs, and it's never the secondary until this 2016 draft. Where has it always been? Defensive line, front seven, outside linebackers. That's it, period. Front seven is their focus. They always have believed that, and that's where they prioritize. And it almost seems like because of that, They've neglected the back end so much. Now it's turned into a, I would say they're in dire straits back there. So that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, do you have any other questions before we let you go? No, uh, although I, I am concerned that we, we don't seem to prioritize the defensive backfield. And and when they pick guys, they, they seem to pick a bunch of injury-prone Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Steelers are the steel curtain. I mean, I mean, and it's like Jeff said, they prioritize the front seven. And that wouldn't be a problem, and it isn't a problem. However, you know, they just haven't gotten as much out of the front seven from the outside linebacker position as they would like because they've gone back in the first round to get a Bud Dupree, primarily because of Jarvis Jones, a former first-round draft pick, has not panned out. So now it's time for some of those investments to turn out as good as a Hayward and a Tuit, which were both, I think, slam dunks. I think they got two very good players in those two guys. So now the outside linebackers have to play. Well, thanks, caller. Thanks for calling, and we appreciate it. But you know what the funny thing is, is they typically, and you can go back in the last five or six years and think of their first-round draft picks. They have been hitting them out of the ballpark for the most part, except for your boy, Jarvis Jones. Just think to yourself what it would be like if Jarvis Jones was the sack master, as he called himself out of college, and actually was getting double-digit sacks on the outside from the right side. Just think how dynamic this off- this defense I'm sorry, would be. It, it would be a really good defense, and, and because of that, they probably wouldn't have had to draft Bud Dupree in the first round they would have been able to go get a higher secondary player, a defensive back. It would have changed a lot of things. When you have a first-round bust, which we know everyone thinks that's what Jarvis Jones is, it really does set you back a couple years, and they're just now rebounding from that. They finally put the attention on the secondary in this draft. We'll see if that pans out. Obviously, Artie Burns is off to a rough start, but we'll see how it goes. All right, you ready for one more call, Lance? Absolutely. All right, let's get this guy on the air. Three four seven six zero five seven four seven three. You're on with Jeff and Lance. Go ahead. Hey, what's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? Hey, good. Sure, what's your name? Where are you Where are you calling from? Yeah, so um, my name is uh, Ken, calling from New Jersey. Um, so yeah, I probably think I was right from Brooklyn, but no, it's, um, I'm originally <laughs> from Brooklyn, but um, I live in New Jersey now. So yeah, man, I've been listening. I've been listening. Uh, maybe the past four years, I usually work when this is on, so I don't call in live. But um, I just want to, you know, got to know you guys are doing a great job, and I appreciate all the content and um, all the banter going back and forth. It's really entertaining, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah thanks a lot. So, you uh, have a question? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, so, uh, you know, just being a listener, uh, you know, y'all, y'all got the whole joy and sadness thing going on. And um, I, I wanted to... <laughs> I wanted to, to chime in on that a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna be, um, I'm gonna be discussed right now, right? 
one one right. of these uh, one of these characters. So this is this is my whole thing. Um, everyone's always saying, you know, as far as the secondary or you know, with the backups, the backup quarterback, um, to to sign a guy. How come we don't get better guys? Things like that. And what I, I'm I'm disgusted with, like who I, I want to hear names because it's just like there's not a pool of just people, players who are just way better who who can come in and just do a better job right now. We're talking about like a Matt Moore or something, you know, like a lot of people are talking about um you know bringing Antonio Cromartie for a corner. Um, first of all, he didn't play well last year. He's talking about he did better in the last six games of the year. But how do you justify because what he's going to require, he's going to require an average yearly value um, that's probably going to be equal or a little bit more than William Gay. William Gay doesn't really get paid that much. How do you justify paying him more than a guy like William Gay or if we're really looking at it just from a position flexibility, being able to play inside and outside, being able to tackle and have ball skills? He's probably a top ten cornerback in this league. So I, I want to hear, like, names. People are just throwing stuff out and, you know, we don't do this, we don't do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you guys have any, any specific names you, you can think of who may be able to come in, a free agent off the street or a trade or something like that, but I, I, I want to put that out there and hear what you guys got to say. I don't, you know, to your point, I don't think the name, and we talked about it last week, that, Probably the best free agent corner other than Cormarty was was Cortez Allen, which <laughs> you know, and, and so that's problematic in and of itself. And you're right, they don't grow on trees. But you know, the answer to your question is that that person is probably on a roster right now and is going to get waived, and it may look similar to a cockerel. Because to your point, there's not many guys on the waiver wire. But I will say this, but to go into the regular season that young on the back end, I mean, I mean, it's problematic, though. I mean, when Boykin, you, you let Boykin walk, Blake walks, I understand about Cortez Allen. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they have a better answer either because I, I'm sure they don't want, you know, Sean Davis, a rookie from Maryland, as their first option in the slot because if he doesn't play well and struggles like we know he probably will, or if he gets hurt, I mean, who's the backup, you know, to Sean Davis? So, uh, but to your, to your point again, I, I will scour the waiver wire and try to come up with three cornerback names for next show. Now, they might be bad, but I'm going to try to come up with three cornerback names <laughs> of some guys that may have some value to this roster as, as, as potential options for them to bring in. Now, Lance, correct me if I'm wrong here, and you might not remember, was Ross Cockrell, was he released by the Bills after the cut to 75 or was he released after the cut to 53? I thought he was released after the cut to 53. I thought they I brought him right. in. My recollection he was, is he they was, brought him in really late. I think he was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was after 75, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think I um, I could be wrong, but that is something to look at. 
Um, okay, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to I, I look that up. But, you know, caller, to your point about the quarterback situation, I've heard a lot of names being thrown out as well. Um, some are saying Michael Vick. We talked about him briefly earlier in the show. Someone that is familiar with the Steelers system would not be looking to be the backup. Um, I've heard Josh Freeman's name get thrown out there. There's a strong speculation that EJ Manuel from Buffalo will get released and will not make the team. Will he be a guy that they would want to bring in? And he has a little bit more upside. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, Christian Ponder was on the on the free was a free agent up until earlier this week when I think he signed with the San Francisco 49ers. But my constant theme it's different and it's different talking about quarterbacks than it is on on defense with defensive backs. If you're getting to the third string quarterback, you're in trouble. Period. So you have Ben Roethlisberger. Everyone hopes that he stays healthy because he is the the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. And Landry Jones has proven that he is capable off the bench of coming in and making a few plays. He's also capable of really blowing a game like he almost did in the wild card game against the Bengals. So if both of those guys get hurt, let's be honest, your season is pretty much hanging in the balance anyways. So you're looking, a lot of fans are looking for the answer when you don't, you're not going to find the answer in that third string guy. Um, maybe they find someone that, that's another college player that they might have liked in the draft. A guy that I thought they would be interested in is, is Dak Prescott, who ended up getting signed by Dallas. He's actually playing really well for them. I don't think they're going to let him go, but if they release him, thinking they're just going to get him back on the practice squad, maybe the Steelers can can you know pull the rug out from underneath him and pick him up. We'll see. But um, yeah, it, with the quarterback position, when you're talking about third string, you're talking about some really you're talking about some dire straits, not to use that, to overuse that term, but uh, see, it, it's tough. They have some depth issues, but I can honestly say that, especially a quarterback, all all 32 teams have depth issues there, uh, not just the Steelers. Right. I think they, I, I think they made one or two calculated gambles that didn't work out within the last three years. One was Cortez Allen. Because if Cortez Allen worked out, you had him and William Gay on the outside, and all of a sudden the secondary becomes a strength with a Mike Mitchell, and then you can kind of fill in some guys. You know, you draft uh, Golson. Um, and then also, obviously, with Jarvis Jones, um, and it's not working out as far as him being a sack artist. He, he's not a bust. Like, Vernon Golston's a bust. You know, Aaron Curry's now, a bust. <laughs> he's not now, a bust. If, you put it, if you put it in those terms, definitely. He's not a bust. That that's he's a pretty a, low a, bar. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Those are some ever. But I, I look at Jarvis more of a Clark Hagens rather than a Greg Lloyd. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't. That's not who he is. And maybe they thought he was that. But I was actually looking at the draft, and I'll close with this. Based on, and you made a great point, Jeff. Based on where we've been, this, we've been picking. Who are around the times where the the, the picks would have. Steelers been picking. What other pass rushers should have they should they have picked that are lighting up the league right now? You got Khalil Mack at number two. You got Von Miller number two, number three. Those guys are killing it. But what what other pass rushers right now within the last four years are just lighting the league on fire? Um, Seventeen and back. I, I really can't think of any, and I'm not looking at anything. So that's something I'd like to you know talk about too because. Who else could we have picked? Maybe we should have picked a different position. 
I mean, I, I would have liked Eric Reed actually that drive. I really liked Eric Reed, but um, as far as pass rushes, I can't really think of too many. That's a great story, Jeff. What? That's a great story, Jeff. What story are you talking about? The story of pass <laughs> rushers where they draft. Be a great story. Oh, I see. You're <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get I'll Come get on. one of my I'll, I'll get one of my best Come guys on. on I swear. <laughs> Come on, Joy. Come on now. Come well, on, you know, man. Um, there was an article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It was before the draft, I believe, where Mike Frazier went back in the Mike Tomlin era, and he went through every single pick and picked out one player that could have been better at each pick. I mean, this, this article took him a long time. So if you want to do the Google search, I'm trying to remember what the title was, but you can find it if you go to our draft coverage. If you just type in 2016 NFL draft behind the steel curtain, Google, it'll take us to our whole feed of our draft coverage. I'm pretty sure it's in there. They'll probably have it in there, but I think that I agree with you, caller, about Clark Hagan's comparison. The only issue is Clark Hagan's wasn't a first-round pick. So the fault of the Steelers taking him at seven at, at that position, uh, was it 17, I guess, um, that is the issue, is that you want to have someone in the first round, even if it's like Bud Dupree last year, he only had four sacks, but he was still able to go out there and be a force. And a lot of people will say that the wrist injury in his second year hurt Jarvis Jones more than people realize, and I believe that because when you're talking about an outside linebacker being able to get pushed and use his hands, I don't know if you ever regain that strength in that arm and in that hand. So that could play a role too. It's just some bad luck, I think. But ultimately, they're stuck with him for one more year, and, and hopefully he's able to perform. And I don't say that because I'm, I'm joy, as Lance calls me. I say that because, if, like I said earlier in the show, if he can be just a decent pass rusher, we're talking six to eight sacks in a season, set the edge, play well in coverage when they ask you to do that, it will be a huge boost for a defense that really needs it heading into 2016. So you got anything Brady else for us? That. You got anything else for us, caller, before we let you go? No, that, that's it. Just um, if, I don't, if I don't get you guys next week, um, definitely in the uh, post-game uh, podcast, if you're still going to do it, I should be calling in then. So have a good day. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll be Chris Carter hosting that this year, but thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. Um, some good callers. We appreciate everyone that called in uh, to the show. It's it's uh, it's a labor of love for us here, Lance. So I'd, I'd normally give you a little bit of chance, a little bit of time, I should say, to speak to Steeler Nation out there. As most people hopefully crawled off the Clemente Bridge and didn't jump off after the Week 1 game against the Lions. What do you want to say to Steeler Nation as we head into the game against the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night? Chill. Relax. <laughs> if you're upset after a week one preseason game, chill. Relax. Identify several guys that you want to watch. See if they're making improvements. That's all you need to focus on. Moving forward, let's hope the Steelers come out of the game without a catastrophic injury. And just chill. Take a look at Marquis Pouncey. But, but but there's nothing yet. There's not enough meat on, on the bone to suggest anything at this point with the football team. Just relax. Take it all in. And uh, let's just hope we don't have that injury that derails the season potentially. Yeah, it does say that. I just knocked on wood. 
for all those superstitious people out there. But, you know, after Lance always does his talking, I plug the website tomorrow, Thursday, game day, behindthesteelcurtain.com. Listen to what we're going to have on the website tomorrow. Uh, we're going to give you the how to watch it. So if you need to stream it online, if you need to find which channel it's on, if you want to know who's doing the announcing, we've got that for you. Uh, we have a question and answer with our uh, Philadelphia Eagles blog, which I asked some really good questions about what they ended up doing with the fifth-round draft pick they got from the Brandon Boykin trade. That's going to be worth reading. This podcast will be up there. We have a film room that's breaking down Alejandro Villanueva's disastrous game against the Lions last Friday, an article about James Harrison, why he should just cooperate with the National Football League. I'm giving you five defensive players, five offensive players to watch, six questions for the preseason game. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be loaded with content. I hope you all check it out. It's a great time because football is back. So as I always say, Lance, thank you for your time. Everyone that called in as well, thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of the show. We'll see you next time on The Standard is the Standard. I'm Jeff. We'll see you later. Bye. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.